0: Good evening, Joe. It's uh the Nighthawk reporting to you live from The Hague. Uh I'm sitting in my living room, but I'm looking at where the hell are you at? <laughs>
1: I'm in uh, <clears throat> I'm in an Airbnb, mate, in Derby. Um gonna visit the man cave, aren't I? You know, see uh see what stuff they've got, get some fancy pictures taken so I can post uh more proper influency stuff, you know, the stuff that you that I got from you. I've seen you're so good at it and uh I've um been looking for um, ways that I can optimise myself and uh, in that department.
0: Have you have you got something like a Pinterest board where you look at, like, hey, I would like a picture like this and a picture like that. Have you got something like that?
1: No, I just look at what influencers do on uh, triathlon influencers such, such as yourself and just rip it off. Basically, with my sponsors, It gives me some really good ideas. You know, <laughs> like I saw one from you today about holding the chili balm or whatever it was uh <laughs> on the camera you know classic that yeah. in the, you know
0: T- tiger bomb is an absolute weapon you know it's been around for ages doesn't it it's come from like the old chinese five six hundred years ago mate
1: i don't know but i know that pose though that pose is when you've got to advertise something you're like i don't know what the hell i can do to advertise this so i'm just going to hold it out in front of me it's the simple isn't it it's the classic isn't it you know the classic <laughs> like i need to i need to post something up but i don't really know what i can do to post a picture of this <laughs> I have myself. myself. I'm 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 have committed that time mate. but we've, we've all got to do it.
0: We've all got to do it. Um speaking of spicy stuff, I've this one time I um I was having a, a I was doing cooking classes. I was doing I was with like 30 people and I had to cut all the spices for everyone like these red peppers. And um so I've cut all the red peppers and after that I didn't wash my hands and I went to the toilet. Oh boy, I felt the
1: life that day. Cool. I'll tell you what fucks me over if I've like had to cut chilies and stuff, and then you forget, and then you take your contact lenses out, but it doesn't. <laughs> hurt. Yeah, but it doesn't hurt when you take them out, but then you've contaminated it, and then when you go and put them in the next day, your eye is totally fucked, and you can't get <laughs> out because your eyes shut like that. You know, your eye's forcing it up because it's stinging too much and you want to get it out and you can't. And uh, your eye's pour them with like tears. Honestly, oh my God, crazy. Like, horrible, that.
0: Would you say that's worse than uh, taking a wee when you just cut a couple of them?
1: I don't know. Uh, God, a wee, a poo after a madras or something or a vindaloo the next day. That is pretty <laughs> horrible. Feels like you give giving birth, doesn't it, you know?
0: But um yeah it does. Have you got any any, any highs and low this lows this week, yo? Uh,
1: back training, mate, massive high. Finished first week, feeling all right. So back in the game, mate. I'm I'm ready to go.
0: I've seen you doing like loads of efforts, you're raring the goal, like a stallion off the leash.
1: <laughs> I'm like a pit bull mate that's been let out. You know, he's been wearing a muzzle for the last two months and now they've taken it off and they've said go and play.
0: <laughs> have, have you got a little low then give me a little low i love the lowest mate got a lot of
1: oh i did have a low well one annoying low it's not a massive low but it's a bit of one is our neighbors you know the ones that were splashing the fence um you know splashing their uh clothes or whatever it was or their garden they won't take our amazon deliveries anymore now so that's a bit annoying so whenever we get stuff that um gets delivered if it goes to their house they uh reject it you know like you know the postie obviously goes oh will you take the stuff a number for your neighbor they're mm. obviously like what neighbor because the amazon person told it like <laughs> he came back and he's like they said what neighbor we told him and they said no
0: <laughs> and he's like "All oh, right." right <laughs> what, what about all the other neighbors you've got like 20 neighbors haven't you
1: got quite a few yeah the the, the, the other ones were out the other side uh they were out so they didn't but um, I did have a low, but I can't think what it was.
0: I did have something. You need um, to write them down, mate. This is what people live for. They don't care. I know. I was,
1: I was writing them down at one point, and then uh, I forget. You know, I was. It's like what I was like at school, mate. I never used to write the notes down. Yeah. And it would get to revision time, and I wouldn't know what I'd need to revise because I hadn't um, bothered to write anything any notes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Just um, because I, I, I quickly want to want to ask you some questions because we've got quite some uh, uh, new listeners after Saint George and i want to do a little triathlon mockery Hold on, before, uh, dictionary
1: what was, your, what was your low anyway you normally have some good lows I'll,
0: I'll, I'll go over to the lows and the highs in a bit but first want right. to do the dictionary because they, sometimes they don't get the jokes i saw this on the youtube comments saying like what the hell is a junkyard dog what's lt free so let's go through the triathlon dictionary real quick joe all right what what how would you qualify what a junkyard dog is
1: so a junkyard dog can be used in a couple of different ways it can be used to motivate people when you're on the course. You know, you're a spectator. Tom comes running through. I see he's got his pain face on. He's hunting down someone for a podium spot. And to encourage him, to show him my support, I give it a... <laughs> <laughs> he knows. I'm, I'm telling him, You, I mean business, Tom. Come on, let ramp it up. Or, as Tom's done before, it can be used as a way to psych it out. I mean, psych people out. I mean, tell us a little bit, very briefly, about... Your story with Bruno. Well, do you want me to? Should I tell the story quickly? Well, and you, they,
0: they, they can listen to the second episode. So we've done. There's a, a, a whole, the whole story about Bruno's there. Bruno is still shivering in his back, Joe. We can't do this so again. Too.
1: Basically, Tom sucks, uh, psyched a guy out at Ironman New Zealand 2020. They haven't had a rematch. COVID's got in the way. Uh, Bruno wants one. He's he's sent me abusive messages about Tom, which I, which Tom's seen. Obviously, Bruno is his pseudonym. We, we don't really want to name him, but he is out for blood. He's from Brazil. You know, um, probably from uh, one of the favelas there or something. Um and Tom psyched him out, beat him, and got a Kona spot. And unfortunately, Bruno didn't that day, did he? But that was uh so it can be used to psych your rivals and, out on the course.
0: And, and it was it was due to the junkyard dog. I gave him out on course. It was 100
1: percent due to the junkyard dog because you were doing it to him that week and we were absolutely in stitches because we'd never heard it before, had we? This is you know, two years ago, like and it was so funny because you're really good at it.
0: Um <laughs> it's the only skill I'm probably good at anyway. All right. Another, what's called, what's
1: LT1? LT1, Norwegian training, isn't it? You know, s- sticking to the zones, you know, sub threshold, uh, big volume sessions. Oh, okay. Like, what? what is LT3? Well, it was LT2 first, didn't there? Threshold.
0: Yeah, but we're skipping that.
1: We're skipping LT2. <laughs> so we're skipping LT2. <laughs> LT3. Yeah is basically all out like we were going up a climb in Spain and I was talking to Tom I said something like what did I say I said something about like I can't remember what it was but it sounded it must have sounded similar to LT3 so Tom thought yeah. I was saying LT3 we were going up a spa up a climb cyclist was trying to drop us he could probably tell we were triathletes and he thought I'm not having some triathletes ride up a climb this is just outside Girona you know he looked the part then he had his socks pulled up high and he had his Perfect matching kit, didn't he? Sunglasses on, you know, spinning a high cadence. This, this it, shiny
0: oil on his calves.
1: Yeah, he did have the
0: shiny oil on his calves. So that's a
1: proper uh, triathlete. They probably put, they, no, cyclists, sorry, they put baby oil on so they look really tanned, <laughs> yeah. don't they? Like, that's what they put on. I know. And uh, I said to Tom, like, basically, when we were going up, I said at one point, like, let's just stay with him and, like, basically try and, like, one of us has to beat him, I said, didn't I at the start? Because the guy mm-hmm. was, one of us has got beat him to the top. Because he was... This, was up, us, this he? was up that
0: El's Angels climb.
1: Up El's Angels. He was trying to drop us a few times. And at one point, I said something to Tom, Tom I said, lc 3 lc 3 So we started like completely like ripping it em- up. Like, empty
0: in the tank till the top.
1: Em- empty in the tank till the top. <laughs> I just wanted to play around with the cyclist a bit, like get a little bit of a gap and then let him claw his way back and just have a real, like make it so it seemed like an epic Absolutely
0: battle. annihilated the cyclist. Well, LT3 is basically... All out. It's beyond all out, beyond all out. <laughs> All right, and um, then we've got the chimp. The chimp, is the chimp something new, mate?
1: The chimp, the chimp, the chimp's when you get excited in a race and you don't pace it well. So if, if you see someone blow up, you know, in a race, um, they go out too hard. You know, you might have a friend. Everyone's got a friend who says, say like, they <laughs> want to go a three-hour marathon. You know, they're going to go out 75 minutes for the first half and they're going to come back in one hour 55. five. Two uh, They're going to do three hours 10. They're going to say it was a tough day. I Condi- <laughs> think I went out a bit. I felt good for the first half and then I died. They're going to yeah. say- that is, the chimp got the better of them. They get excited. <laughs> they, they get off the bike. They're, they're in a bit of a race. Instead of sticking to their guns in Man and running, I don't know, 4.30k pace, they go out 3.50k pace, and they blow up after 10k. Then they say, oh, stomach issues again. Nah, chimp, mate. That was the chimp.
0: <laughs> it was the fucking chimp. Chimp got the better up. of you. <laughs> All right. Then, then we've got the horse, named Like a Horse. Nay, nee.
1: <laughs> that is if you do over 744 watts on the bike if you're with someone say you'd like sprint past them or you drop them up a climb you'd be hitting over 744 watts which is one horsepower you can do a nay nee. but you can only you can do, do a a nay. Nee. you've got to be hitting over 744 it's got to be one horsepower to do that really
0: some people on Swift would be named like horses all day all night, wouldn't they? Would oh, my
1: God. They'd park? be named for an hour, wouldn't they, if you did one of them. <laughs> yeah. they, I, I, they oh. are, I swear some of them have 700 watts for an hour. <laughs>
0: can you imagine? Yeah. All day long. Oh, crazy. Well, anyway, um, I think last one, glucose monitor.
1: Glucose monitor. Oh, that is our friend. That was all the rage a little bit back. I mean, me and Tom have both had a glucose monitor at one point. We ate too many carbs. Did we? Think? It's, yeah. Can you remember oh, when yeah. we tried it? I remember us in, uh, I think it was in Malaga when they were all the rage. I came out of a couple of glucose monitors. We gave it a go just to see what it was like. And we ate a shitload of carbs because you brought a load of sweets. I think like Haribo and chocolate and stuff. And uh, yeah. the bloody thing broke. It fell off mine. I, I only stayed on my arm for three days. And I don't even think yours lasted until you got to Malaga. It was already misreading, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah. It was like, it was smoking. It was, uh, but I was so curious what the snicker level was. So, um Yeah smoked it i would love to
1: do a competition one day on one of the triathlon mockery youtube videos where you do a training session and you eat a load of sugars and you see how high you can get your glucose reading or something just for a laugh
0: to see who's got the highest reading
1: they never go high do they i've been out on rides with people and they barely fluctuate do they i wonder what it would be like if you ate like you know 200 grams of haribo and a load of snickers or something like what would it do then
0: um, I have no clue. Literally no clue. Anyway, um, what's this dictionary? Am I missing any words, Joe, from Traffle Mockray?
1: I don't think so. I think you've got K-hole. it. K-Hole. K-Hole. Yeah, the, the
0: K-hole.
1: K-Hole. mate. That's totally screwed. Like, K-Hole could be you've trained way too hard um, and you're overtraining. That's the K-Hole. Or it could be like you've done an Ironman so- or a hard race and you're totally smashed. You're in the K-Hole. I haven't been in the K-Hole for a while. The last time I was in the K-Hole was when I got that probably that illness. But I haven't, I haven't been in the K hole from sport for a, for a while. I, I, you know, I need to do one of them sessions. You know, they they make you feel alive, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> I've got a, um, I've got a question for you, right? All right. So, Paul Felder, UFC former UFC fighter. I watched one of his videos before the LA Triathlon. And he said he got up to six in the world at UFC. Who mm. would be in the biggest K hole? Right. So you're fitter than Paul Felder, aren't you? So if Paul had to stay with you. For an art, for like say a half distance Ironman or something like, he had to go at your pace, and you mm-hmm. could just make him go like harder than what he's capable of, and he has to force himself to stay with you. Every time he blows up, you're egging him on, forcing him to carry on at your pace. You know, for a half Ironman or an Ironman, do you think he'd be in a bigger or less of a K hole than if you had to go three rounds with him in a UFC fight? So well, you'd go fifteen minutes with him into,
0: just, in the. If he had to do the training with me like that race for him. Then he'd be like physically um, in the cage hole wouldn't he? Like really, totally really tough, drained. Yeah, he'd Except be like really, really, really drained. Whereas in that cage with him, he would just knocked the shit out of me, and I'm. Do you the not think you could
1: defend yourself and like stop a couple of punches and just like hopefully just like block it for like you know just waste time? You know you've got the fitness, you could dance around him, couldn't you? A bit put your hands up, like cover your know. face so he can't get you. You might take a few shots to the kid or something, but like
0: he's the Irish dragon, isn't he? He'll probably so he, pop me out.
1: So who do you reckon would be in the worst K-hole?
0: I would be. I would. You, be totally. you don't fancy. So, that? Yeah. You don't
1: reckon you could last fifteen minutes without getting too beaten. Like
0: fifteen, mate. I've done three minutes against a world champion boxer in that TV show, and he broke three ribs of mine and a bruised nose, and it felt <laughs> like ages. If I had to do another twelve, I would probably die.
1: <laughs> you could always take Paul down to the ground. I don't think he likes the submission game. So you could always go for his legs and just try and take him down and just like, so like, you know, just hold him.
0: Coming back from uh, our dictionary, let's uh, quickly go through my highs and lows. Um, so massive, massive high Joe, uh, literally came back from St. George, did one ride, body felt all right. And I was like, I think I'm ready to go again for training. And literally went back to the pool, was hitting good times. Well, I'm not really fit, but I was hitting all right times. So yeah, I didn't
1: one awesome. 12s and then you realized <laughs> yards, and thought, oh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I didn't get any heart attacks, but I literally think um, uh, it, it took me about three and a half weeks to recover from COVID because for, before that, it felt like I was getting heart attacks. So last week, I did a whole lot of cycling, like almost 500 k's, and all easy. Well, not all easy. It was a bit of a k-hole weekend. And a bit of running, a bit of swimming. So I'm finally back into training and I'm going to ramp it up in the coming weeks. And then hopefully if I'm getting run fit, I'll race Ironman knees. Nice. But then the low this weekend mate, the low. So I went down to Flanders this weekend with uh, my mates. And we're going to do the Ronde van Vlaanderen, which is one of the classics. Oh, the cobbles. Look. Say it again.
1: I, lo- I like that race. That's one of my favorite classics to watch that is.
0: Yeah, that is a really, really good race. But the, the, the climbs, climbs are just so short, but then so steep, just annoying. It's constantly up and down, up and down. Um, but after, like, 40 k's into the ride, my dia 2 was empty.
1: Oh, so
0: I I'm had to do to another go. 40. Oh, my God, mate. on the big ring. So I was just doing the either 400 watts or nothing kind of ride. Um then after 90 Ks in, I stopped at the bike shop, uh, plucked it in, um, stopped for coffee for about forty minutes, then I went on. My wahoo died, so I didn't have the route anymore. Uh I was just wandering around through Flandering. Uh my body was empty. It was just a right mess getting back into training, actually. Um that was a massive low. You go into Flanders.
1: Did you do the whole two hundred and fifty Ks or was it like a smaller route?
0: It was a smaller route, so because normally they'll do like a uh, a straight line towards Flanders, and then they'll do the loop. So that was about 130 k. And the next day, did another 130. All right. Yeah, yeah, it's quite nice, really. Um, So yeah, can't wait to get back into uh, intensity uh, with training. Uh, And with regards to, um, I've been getting a lot of messages from uh, people in the DMs about the merchandise because we've got the caps. Well there was someone in St. George that literally had these caps made for me. He gave me about 20 of them, but I've sent the company a message that I want to get a whole lot of these caps. Um, And I'm ordering socks, uh, shirts, and a training tee, something like that. I want to put together a package because if you're living in Australia or the U S we're going to have to deal with shipment costs. And then I think, um, it would be better if you've got like a whole bunch of shit from Traveler Mockery instead of just one cap. Um, so we're busy with the merch. It's coming. It's coming. Um, with regards to the Patreons, I've had some messages of people saying, I want to do a one-off payment. Uh, do you Have you got anything like Venmo? Venmo is like an American thing where you can just donate some money. Um, so we could go to Kona with Traveler Mockery. Um, I'm European, so I can't open a Venmo. I saw that today. Oh, is that got, only
1: American that that thing?
0: Apparently, apparently. All oh, right. Yeah, I didn't even know what the hell Venmo was.
1: i have heard of it, like, uh, but like I've heard Americans talk about it, but I just thought it was like another version of PayPal or something.
0: Yeah, well, I've got PayPal. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, Joe, there were some races on this weekend. WTS? Yeah. Have you have you watched that?
1: Yeah, so I watched I watched WTCS, and it was horrific, mate um there was like the the swim i like fast forwarded it through um and saw like little bits um of it you know and it broke up a little bit towards the end not much just standard watching a swim uh but then the bike i like i watched the first bit because when it's coming out of transition you can sometimes see if people get dropped and you think see if the action's going to happen and then i literally fast forwarded it 10 minutes at a time and then watched like 10 seconds when I fast forward at each bit. And it was still one massive peloton riding around. 20 minutes in, massive peloton. Got all the way to an hour in until they were literally just coming off the bike. Still the same peloton. So nothing had changed. So there was absolutely no point in wasting your time watching an hour. Or if you're going to watch it, don't bother watching the bike. Nothing happens. Just watch the first minute. Um, and then it got to the run. And the fastest runners buggered off. So it was like Alex Yee and Hayden Wilde. And then it was literally just a battle between the first two. Um, So honestly, it was like pretty horrific watching, to be honest. And it got me thinking that ITU racing isn't that good in a way because it always comes down to a wet 10K. And you can never win the race on a swim or a bike. Whereas like, say you're a really strong cyclist, you can't ever show your strength on the bike because the courses aren't designed right. They're really their courses that they've got no hills. They're either way too technical. So like a breakaway can't really work together because there's nowhere to, to do it. But they need some hills or something where you can attack and break away. But basically, the way the current format is, it's just a wet 10k. You fast as long as you're fast enough to make that front pack, you won't get dropped on the bike. You'll easily be able to stay there. And then it just comes down to the fastest runners. But there's nowhere where the fastest cyclists in ITU can really show themselves. So if you're a good swim biker in ITU, but not the best runner, say you run a minute slower, a minute and a half slower than the fastest guys, but you're still quick. So like looking at the splits in this one, Alex Yee ran 2850 on that course. And then the second was Hayden Wall it was like 29. But say you're a 30 30 guy, you're really you're miles behind, still a really good runner. But there's no but say your main strength is you biking and you're a front pack swimmer. You're screwed because you can't make maximize that strength. And I think that the sport should test you equally over the swim, the bike, and the run. And if you have any weaknesses, you get exposed. But at the moment, you can have a massive weakness as the bike. But if you're a really strong runner, it's not really going to get exposed. And as long as you're there and after the swim, you're all right.
0: Where where would you want to see a WTS race then?
1: Well, they did one before, I remember years ago. And it went up the Kitsbull uh, horn in uh, Australia. Oh,
0: Kitzbühel. Yeah, yeah, Kitzbühel. Yeah,
1: so they did like a 750-meter swim. Then they rode up the mountain. Then they had like a trail run at the top of the mountain. Did it as a one-off. Wasn't even a proper distance. And it was awesome. Really, really good race. They never did it again. But I think, why do the races need to be a set standard, like set distance? Why do you have to do a 1500, 40k, and a 10k? I mean, all right, for the Olympics, it could be if they wanted to keep it some kind of standard. But for the racing... Why can't they do it? So like it's different distances each time. And for draft legal, I kind of think the bike should be longer and it shouldn't be laps. It should just be one big, it should be one big loop with some like actual climbs or something to break it up. Uh, But because it's draft legal, I remember when I used to do road racing, if you ever did a 40k crit or a 40k road race, it would always end a sprint finish because it was never long enough to break away, you know, and especially in ITU, if you break away over 40k, you could smash yourself with two other guys. You might get yourself forty seconds or a minute, but then you're going to be so screwed. You get to the run, you're going to lose that minute in the first five k. So at the end of the day, it's pointless. So I think really the bike needs to be eighty k if it's draft legal, because then there's an incentive. Eighty k, yeah, but if it's draft legal, that's it's draft legal.
0: <laughs> Do you mean the PTO? Do you mean the PTO races? Sorry, <laughs> no, but like
1: if it's draft legal, you need to have it that length so people can actually get in a breakaway attack people when they're a bit more tired on the bike mm-hmm. and get a gap that is actually substantial that they could win, you know, because if you're break in a breakaway yeah. for say 50K or 40K and you get two minutes, but you've been smashing it for 40K with just two other people, you're going to be pretty knackered when you get off the bike. If someone else has sat in and just and done nothing – So you kind of need that to level it up. Like a 40K bike just isn't long enough in a draft legal format Uh, to really test the side. Have
0: have you ever heard some ITU racers complain to you about like um, the racing format or that the bike hardly ever splits it up or something?
1: Not really, but I don't really know many of them. But um, and also the tactics, they're absolutely rubbish at tactics, some of them. Like I see them. So when I was watching that bit from the race the other day, they're all there's they're all in one big peloton, 40 people. And then they're riding through and off at the front. And I'm thinking, dude, what the fuck are you doing? There's no one up the road. There's no breakaway way. Why are you towing this group around and wasting your energy to get a drink? I mean, I was always told when I did road racing, the only time you should be on the front is to chase a breakaway down or to do an attack. If you're in a the peloton, there's no other point in being on the front. Like, if you're not chasing someone down, you know, as part of like a team or you're not attacking, why are you on the front? What do you think? It, like to me, it doesn't make any sense why you'd prob- be on the front.
0: Probably because um, there are quite some people coming after the front pack. On ah, there was them. no one,
1: mate. There was literally five people behind. That was it. So if oh, it right. would make sense if there was 10 or 15 of them away, it was literally mm-hmm. a peloton of 40, mate. Like literally mm-hmm. a peloton of 40. So, and all the fastest yeah. runners were in there. So it wasn't like they dropped like Alex Yee. They didn't drop Hayden Wilde. All the top guns were, for the run were in there so just by sitting on the front you're wasting your energy aren't you so it didn't make any it didn't make any -hmm. Didn't make any sense like you know um but they still do it like you'd you'd never get that in a normal road race
0: well that's um well you do get it in a normal road race i've done it like years ago like loads of them
1: and then four or something like you wouldn't get that in elite race
0: depends if it's like a crit race where they write circles as well like 2k 3k 4k loops that kind of stuff and then uh, for 50k 60k it almost always ends up in a sprint finish like almost always
1: yeah well that's what i was saying it never breaks up but there's what i'm saying is there's no point being on the front if you're uh literally
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. exactly exactly um anyway um joe this week speaking of races uh last week i posted up something on the travel mockery Uh, It was a message of the Triathlon magazine, and it said, um, I'm quickly going to read it. So this was a whole article, but it's just a specific paragraph that I quote. It said, in the pro men's field, so this is about St. George, almost 30% did not finish the race with 27 finishes from the 38 starters. In the pro women's field, however, there was a 100% completion rate with all 22 athletes who started the race, making it to the finish line. Now, I'm not going to discuss male first female, did not finish, but I wanted to talk with you about did not finish in general.
1: You don't want to talk about that because you have not, you ever the way I get canceled again by saying something that I'm not supposed to?
0: Oh no, it's more it's more like um guesswork, isn't it? but we' we'll get to that in a bit. But first, I want to know, have you ever not finished a race?
1: Oh, yeah, I have. And one actually sticks to my mind uh, that I can think, and it was Ironman Man lands Rotty. 2014 still gives me uh like the heebie-jeebies thinking about it <laughs> like i i went out there what uh, well I, I had i had big expectations before that race i really wanted to have a good one um and then i trap I, I traveled out there like a week before i was out there training and then the night before, like a couple of days for the race i like was like struggling to eat loads of food like well mainly the day before actually i remember i was trying to eat loads i didn't feel that hungry uh, and I was thinking, Fuck, I've got to do an Ironman next day. I need to get some carbs in. Uh, anyway, did the swim. Didn't feel myself in the swim. I think I got out in about 50th or 60th place, which even for me is not a good swim. Like I might not be the fast swimmers, but I don't normally get out the water in 50 or 60th place. Um, that race is like one where everyone starts together, age groupers, pros, everything. It's actually pretty cool to be honest. Um, and then on the bike, I actually felt all right at the start. Was riding hard, ended up getting myself up to about fifth place at one point, I think, thinking this is all right. Things have turned out all right. But I was biking way too hard. I, the chimp mate got the better of me. Isn't chimp? It? Chimp? <laughs> chimp came out. And then I remember there's a road that you go on called like Nazareth or something, or a place called that. And it's a horrible road. It's a bit bumpy. And it's like, it feels like, to be honest, it's like a desert. And I was just so smashed that about 5K before that, the, the lights went out, and I went from riding 40K to, I'm not even joking, 20Ks an hour probably, struggling to turn the pedals in my lowest gear. And I remember getting to that dirt road, and I just put the bike to the side, and I was laying down on the dirt road. And uh, some people like came past, and they were like, are you all right? Are you all right? I said, yeah, yeah, I'm all right. And then the guy that I was staying with came up on his moped because he was watching the course, and I ended up having to drive his moped back, and he ended up having to cycle my bike back. <sighs>
0: <laughs> he got a nice, decent training session in. That was,
1: that was my divine man, Lance
0: This was back in 2014. Um, have you have you got like how often have you dinner after race? Have you got that?
1: Um, I had one actually, which is one of the main reasons why I didn't want to race, um uh, cut race, uh, St. George, and that was I did Salou in 20. I'm trying to think off the top of my head, it might have been 2018 or something like that. Around that kind of time, that was the last one that I can think of to, to actually know there's even another one, Challenge Mallorca. Um I dnf that one, I think, as well. Um, just had nothing in the tank. I think actually I don't know if I dnf that one, but I definitely did uh chale- I definitely did in um the other one, Salou. And I had like this, uh, I was on like antibiotics. Before the race, I had a bit of a chest infection, but it felt all right. Like my training was actually going all right. Like I felt like I'd recovered, but I hadn't given it enough time afterwards. Then I went to the race. I did the swim. Didn't feel very good in the swim. And the bike, I had like literally no power at all. My power for the half was 70 watts under what I'd normally do. Honestly, I was absolutely dreadful. And that was, uh, for me, was like, if even if you think your training's gone all right after you've had an illness like that, uh, if you get back, if you race too soon after, you'll just find yourself with absolutely nothing in the tank, and it was horrendous. like you're literally getting passed by everyone.
0: <laughs> but um, I wanted to talk <clears throat> I wanted to talk about this subject because um, I've said it on on multiple podcasts already. I think there is a a tendency of uh, nowadays that professional athletes, And especially male athletes, I think in almost every Ironman, not the 70 point freeze, but almost in every Ironman, 30 to 40% just drops out, just literally just drops out. Yeah. What do you think of that?
1: I think it's bad. Like, and that's why, like, if I feel like I've got a bit of an illness now, I wouldn't want to race a race like that because you don't want to drop out, do you? And also, like, if I'm going too hard and I blow up, then I'm always going to finish, you know, like I did Kona and I like, uh, I think with Will Clark 2016 and I went out, I, w- I probably went out too hard from what my fitness was blew up, but I wouldn't DNF because I'd blown up if it was to do with fitness, you know, because I think once you blow up, once you pull out because you've gone out too hard or something like that, then they say it gets easier, don't they? The next time to DNF mm-hmm. and you can end up into a vicious circle where you see some athletes, they go to a race and they DNF nearly every race. And I think, the more you pull out, the easier it gets that next time to to DNF, um, and that's why you and, don't and, really uh, want to get into the habit of doing you
0: know, it. So we're we're not talking about the cases, for example, what happened to Andy Dries in Saint George, like it's pretty obvious he had a horrible accident, and uh, yeah, hopefully he recovers pretty quick. Or someone that has get that's getting an unfixable mechanic. But my second pro race back in 2021, Joe, when I was out with you in Florida, we did Texas Gulf in the first weekend. Then six days after that, we did seventy point three Florida, and I think in the week trading I overdid a little bit. It was the same. I
1: remember seeing you do some eight hundreds in like the humidity.
0: Uh, I thought. Oh, I thought week,
1: I, in the week after I, the half Ironman.
0: In the week, I was like two days after that half. I was yeah, thinking I mean, like.
1: like in the, I was in thinking
0: the- like it was absolutely boiling there in Florida, like humidity, everything, and I was running case splits like Elliot Kipchoge. Who Kipchoge? Who <laughs> <laughs>
1: Mate, that's the, that's the Ryan Bolton training plan. That's why you make men out of Sam Long and people like that. You know, got to get with the plan.
0: But, but anyway, I remember I did the race. I felt absolutely horrible during the swim already. Then something went wrong with the kayak. All of a sudden, I was in the lead during the swim. And then I, I remember
1: to... going past you like three quarters of the way through the swim because you had the red swim skin on, I think, didn't you? So yeah. I knew when I saw it. I thought, what? where the hell did he come from? And I thought... And then back the way way I front. knew because the lip the kayak took the front pack the wrong way, and we all like uh, somehow I actually managed to get in it. We all end up having to do a U turn like halfway during this during the swim. Um, but
0: Any, anyway, I had to the do of the
1: U turn, did you? So we end up like oh. bumping into you. you. Must have thought, well, oh, this is all right.
0: <laughs> no, because I had to do the U turn all the way at the end. But anyway, um, came out of the swim almost dead last. Well, that wasn't new to me, but then on the bike, I was pushing 30 watts under my Ironman pace. And then I was getting a flat. I was like, I'm not having any of this. I'm just quitting, I'm I'm like not fit at all. But then the feeling afterwards of pulling out of that race felt even worse. Like the day after, the weeks after, I was thinking like, mate, you've traveled all the way, you spend all the expenses, why not just make it a training day? And I know it sounds a bit crazy, And obviously, if you're sick or anything like that, you should not finish the race. But nowadays, so many people in two days before the race, day before the race, you can see like interviews where they're saying, yeah, I'm feeling really good, like the best I've ever felt in the training and blah, blah. And then on race day, just simply like pull out third time of the season and saying like, it was not my day. I just felt a bit sick and all that. I just think it's weak. It's weak and it's unrespectful to the uh, sponsors is unrespectful to yourself because you've been putting the training in. You've been spending all that money, like literally all that money. I can name an athlete that's DNF like five races a season. He's spending Who's like tw- Where's I'm, he not gonna, I'm not going to I'm not going to name any names, mate, but he's spending let's say like twenty thousand euros a year to not finish races and travel Bobby, amazing places.
1: To and I'll finish the races for him.
0: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just don't get it. I just don't get it. I
1: um, I that race in Florida, I had an absolute dreadful run that day. I remember being like, in a whole world of shit. I had a good bike, and I got off the bike, and I had nothing in me for somehow. And I was running around that run at like four minute ten k pace. I couldn't believe it. Like, and you and didn't that. You didn't, you didn't, you
0: even, you didn't even do that
1: keep chugging session with me. No, I didn't. I didn't even do the keep session. I had nothing in the tank. I remember <laughs> thinking like, this is the most horrific experience I've had in a half distance race.
0: But sometimes, sometimes, uh, and this is honest, uh, this is true, Joe. Sometimes I'm thinking about the race you once did. I think it was Ironman UK where they disqualified you on the bike. You had two punctures. Wales.
1: That was Ironman Wales.
0: Ironman Wales. So you had two punctures. Uh, you were in the lead. Then you had two punctures. Um, then they disqualified you and you still finished the whole race. Rene 240 and you weren't even in the results. <laughs>
1: Um, <laughs> that was in uh yeah that was in that was when i was coming back from my illness so what happened was I, like I don't... Up, yeah i ended up getting into the lead and then just after i got into lead because like like the motorbike was like way too close and i couldn't see where the fuck i was going so i like hit a pothole punch it and I'm like fuck's sake like I was literally feeling absolutely incredible like probably one of the best I've ever felt on the bike like my power <laughs> of course
0: was- you felt incredible of course you felt incredible you weren't behind that motorbike <laughs> <laughs> no, but,
1: yeah, Power was as well but you know what when I actually caught that motorbike <laughs> up and he was going honestly I remember going down one of the lanes one of these small country roads and I was going 60 k's an hour down this country road and I was like holy shit like these guys behind it got no chance like I'm bumping all over the place and I'm telling him go oh. further ahead because I couldn't see anything I couldn't see anything, mate. Like, I literally, it was one of them kind of roads in England where you've got the middle bits all, like, grass, like, uh, you know, so you've only got, like, cyclists can ride on the left or you can ride on the right. You can't ride in the middle. It was literally the le- the the road was as wide as one car. And you've got age groupers on the left-hand side. So I'm having to ride down the right. Right, I've got a motorbike. I'm going 55, 60 k's an hour on a slight gradual down, like, you know, maybe like a 1% descent. Normally, if you didn't have him there, you'd probably go 45 to 50. I was going 55 to 60k's now. It was fucking crazy. I said, come on further, go further ahead. Hit this pot on went And you knew straight away, oh shit, like I'll punch it. Um, ended up getting it sorted out for, for ages. And then the inner tube was sticking out of the of the wheel. You know, sometimes we don't sort it out. So i sort that out anyway, I carried on. Thought, well, I wanted to use it as prep for Kona. Um, and like Laura was there, mum and dad were there, and I thought, well, I'm just gonna do like oh. If this has happened, I'm just gonna do 20 K's the run because I knew I was gonna get disqualified. I was thinking I'm not gonna do the whole thing. And they did 20 K's, it was a four lap course. And I was like, Oh, actually, this is actually quite fun being out there because I felt quite good on the run and I was getting loads of support and uh like because the atmosphere was amazing. So I was like, I'll do one more lap, I'll do thirty K because I was quite enjoying it. I was like, I know I'm gonna get disqualified, but fuck it, this is quite fun actually. And no one knows I'm getting disqualified anyway, so they're all cheering for me. <laughs> and then it got to the 30k, <laughs> I was like, "Oh, I might as well finish it now." It's like I'm still quite liking it, you know. So I just did it. I knew I was going to get disqualified, but I was like, fuck it. it feels fun." Everyone think everyone's cheering for me, like I'm still yeah. in the race.
0: Being able like to get two punctures and then still run a foot to full marathon in something like 240. Well, it was like just under 250,
1: but it was a very tough course, and it's like 43k. So oh, all right. Well, 30, anyway,
0: pre-K. like being able. To push yourself all day whilst you know you're not getting a result or anything just some kudos and strava i think that's resilience and also finishing the race although you've got a really tough one a really really tough day makes you appreciate the better days much much more because if you always pull out if you always pull out when it when it becomes really really hard then i think you don't appreciate the wins that much. That's true. I mean, that's, look what at me, that's what
1: made me have that breakthrough season in 2015 because I had that happen to me in uh, Lanzarote in 2014. So, after that, we ended up speaking to a local marathon runner who was like a 2 7 marathoner, me and my friend Lee. And he gave us loads of tips and he was talking to us. And he has a really inspiring story like about how he got in there because he didn't start running until he was 27. And he went within two years, he was running a 27 minute 10K. This is from Footballer as well like literally did his first run in AstroTurf football boots in 33 minutes, his first 10K. C- incredible story. I'd love to go into more detail about it, but I'll do it on another podcast. But he went to two Olympic Games in the end and he qualified for his first Olympic Games after three years. He's like a local hero from where we come from. So we end up messaging him. We went to a pub, had a chat with him. He's a proper working class bloke as well. So he's got some really good stories because um, uh, he used to work in a factory while he was running 27 minutes. He'd run, work, run three times a day but before work, a lunchtime and after work and he had kids as well and a missus um and then so he gave us some tips and stuff and talking to him and it was really inspiring and then after that I thought oh, I'm gonna do his training what he said and I'm really gonna like I don't want to go through that what I did in Lanzarote then I ended up winning my first pro race uh in September so literally like I don't know four or five four months after that and end up having a fantastic run I was like two It would have been 240-something, a very low 240, but the run was short. But, like, if it hadn't been short, it would have been 240-something. And then the next year, in 2015, I got second at North American Championships, third at the IT World, Long Distance Worlds, and, like, some other stuff. But I don't think that that would have happened if I didn't go through the hardship of what happened in Lanzarote, you know, because it was so bad. I was so disappointed after that. Like, um, I was in tears. Uh, at one at some point you know like afterwards you know after the race when you're thinking back you're so disappointed aren't you like oh you know you kind of doubt mm-hmm. yourself and you? you think have I got have I got am I cut out for this um but then after meeting him and taking it further and uh, that that really that really inspired me to not go through that again and to you know to to get better results but I don't think I would have had them if and if um, if that hadn't happened and like you say when you have your bad races I think, and you dig in, and you do finish, and it was a bad race. It really does motivate you to push through. And when you're on a good day, you can always push yourself really hard because you're feeling good, aren't you? When you're on a bad day, that's where it really, that's where you really have to. Have exactly, the time.
0: that's where you build the resilience. And I think a perfect example is also, for example, uh, Sam Long. He's got many highs, but also some lows. You know, he's uh, racing, for example, 70.3 Worlds, coming in second, then Ch- Chattanooga. Um, where he had a really, really, really tough race. Well, in the end, um, because he did so much races, he obviously uh, uh, couldn't do anything. But then later on in the season, like this year, boom, he went to to 72.3s back-to-back, feeling like all right for Worlds. And then now he didn't really have the best Worlds. Well, I I don't think the race he'd hoped for. But then he finishes it, and then uh, he'll probably bounce back again. You know what I mean? And then you appreciate the wins so much more. Uh, Whereas if you just pull out, it's just you, there is no, in the end, there is no photo album of did not finish stories. And there is a photo album of you finishing the race um, and you've been through the shite. You're like a war torn
1: hero, aren't you? If you finish.
0: Exactly. Exactly.
1: That reminds me of that Brad Pitt haircut that you keep trying to get from some film or something like where he's looking like he's got dirt all on his face and everything. That yeah,
0: bit. So the moral of the story is unless you're sick or a, unfixable mechanical or a crash you should finish the race
1: by the way i've I've got a sauna battle as well here and uh, this one he's he's asking a question in the sauna battle I'll read it to you and I want to get your thoughts on what he says because he got called out in the battle he got called out at the end that's a little bit of what happened but this is actually a pro athlete who sent this in
0: Go on in mate I want to hear the story
1: said so, hey mate Big fan of the podcast. I got into a sauna battle today, which sparked a curious debate. And I'm interested in seeing what you guys think. The question is, wet sauna or dry? The story goes as follows. I just sat down in a busy sauna. Shortly after, an old man comes in. I was contemplating who to battle, but this man was wearing a sauna hat. And he says, yes, that's a real thing. I've tried one, and I felt like Lance Armstrong at the 1999 Tour de France. knowing damn well no one stood a chance against me. I want to know what a sauna hat is, because I'm intrigued after he says that. He then says, he then proceeded to pour half a litre of water on the rocks. I immediately knew this granddad wanted the smoke. Now, that reminds me of Techno. Can you remember in Malaga where he was loading that sauna Uh, up? And
0: (laughs) One second, I just had a little look what the hell a sauna hat is. If you pull that thing up in a sauna... You better back it up with some results.
1: <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to, I'll have to have a look at that after this. So then he says, he then proceeded to pour half a litre of water on the rocks. I immediately knew this granddad wanted the smoke. The battle had begun. <laughs> Around the 10 minute mark, I decided to pour a little bit of my own, now warm, water over my head as I was visualizing myself at my next hot race aid station. The old man <laughs> out in front of the whole sauna around eight people. Now, I think that's a sign of weakness. He's calling him out because he knows he's making him feel bad and he's hoping that the guy will get out the sauna and he gets an easy win. I think he showed his cards there. He's suffering and he's trying to call him out in front of people. That's a tactic. He did show
0: the cards.
1: You, should, you cards. should never. Yeah, you could be. You, you make eye contact with people in the sauna or you call them out like that. You're, you're, you're basically saying to them, I'm suffering, boys. Like, you know. So anyway, he called him out in front of eight people. He said, for making it wet, as he wanted dry heat, my preference would be wet, humid heat, as I reckon that's the hardest racing conditions. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I kept my cool. I didn't say much, and I let my performance do the talking. Grandad put up a tough fight, but was gone around 20 minutes in. It left me feeling like I had won, but there was a bitter taste in my mind. Should a sauna always be dry? Was I in the wrong for dousing myself with water? I'd love to know your thoughts. That's what he said. What do you who, think? Who, who, was like... who is it?
0: Yeah, who is it? I can't name
1: my I can't name my sources, Tom.
0: All right, all right. don't <laughs> name your it, sources. So, so um, the thing is, we were in Malaga in a sauna, and I remember um, it didn't get that hot, did it? We had to uh. pour litres of water in in order to get it very humid, but the sauna couldn't get very hot, so it was something like sixty-five degrees, but then one hundred and fifty percent humidity it was wet wet as anything wasn't it i remember them finishing people finish people coming in and saying like is this a steam bath or something <laughs> but, <laughs> um hot and humid is the worst conditions it's worse than hot but then uh um, the
1: what should the sauna be what do you think like hot and humid is definitely harder isn't it but the well, sauna- depends
0: depends i think 90 80 degrees sauna dry is warmer and harder than 65 degrees and humid but then, eighty degrees and humid. K-hole, mate. Oh
1: yeah. But what about uh, dousing yourself in water? Do you think you should be allowed to take water in the sauna? I personally don't think you should. I think you should have to go old school. I, nothing. I,
0: it it is um, taking water um, in in the sauna is a bit of a a, a break, isn't it? Because it's, say, it's like doing we, a tempo run and adaptation. breaking it up.
1: Yeah, and they say with the heat adaptation, anyway, you don't want to drink in the sauna because you, you've the whole point is that you don't. Take anything in while you're in there, so you might as well kill two birds with one stone. Get the heat adaptation and rock it. You know, like take it without the water. But
0: mm-hmm,
1: yeah, true. I mean, it's, it's tough. Like you say, eighty if it's eighty degrees and, and humid, you're screwed. Um, but yeah, if it's, uh, I mean, I would rather have it as in the sauna as as a dry, but I wouldn't be that bothered. But that guy, he's calling him mm-hmm. out because he's he's on the limit, isn't he? He's screwed, and he's uh, and he yeah. and he knows he's gonna lose.
0: It's a, it's a tough call, Joe. I think we should uh, put, like, some sort of uh, a diagram online with uh, the scales and everything, what's hard, what's less harder. But anything, what's the quickest, Joe, you've ever done groceries?
1: Uh, what, in the, what a whole week's worth of shopping?
0: Yeah, if you go to, like, the supermarkets, what's the quickest you've done it in, and how, how did you do it?
1: Oh, God, I don't know. Like, maybe, like, half an hour or something, 20 minutes.
0: And what was key to your success, like fixing it very quickly?
1: Um, going li- literally, knowing where things are, just having an idea of where I need to go and just like storming it, really.
0: Now, I've got a little Instagram post of the week for you. It's Tommy Fury, his wife, doing grocery shopping in North Alpha Flies. So wow. if you want to save yourself some time... Sorry?
1: I said, wow, like I was thinking... That would save me so much time if I had alpha flies in to do the to do the uh, supermarket shop.
0: That would save you like another two minutes, probably on that twenty minutes already. Ten
1: percent. I might even be
0: uh, early for the podcast for a change. Don't you reckon? Holy, holy crap! So this is this is Molly, Me. Have you still got the Instagram post in front of you, mate?
1: Uh, I can remember what it was. She's walking down like Tesco's, and she she's down the fruit and veg aisle, isn't she? Something like that.
0: Yeah. The funny thing was, um, so she has a whole bunch of stories on her Instagram, and then she's saying... I like, had a look at her I Instagram ask you, guys if- if-
1: you can't stop, can you? There's just like so much tripe on there that you, you end up wasting like 10, 15 minutes just looking at the other posts, don't you, on it? It just sucks you in. Because
0: con- const- constantly you're thinking like, you can't make this shit up. <laughs> but anyway... On, on her story, she asked the questions like, what running shoes should I buy for running? And I'm 100% sure all the junkyard dogs said, you need to buy the Nike Alpha Flies. Is that <laughs> what, is just what
1: a girl. I buy for running? And is that how she ended up getting them? Because everyone yeah. like, "Need the Alpha Flies. She's probably the kind of person that's yep. just doing like a 5K easy run. And she's like, just smashing them out in Alpha Flies, isn't she?
0: <laughs> exactly. Gotcha, baby. That's it. Um, so the junkyard dogs uh, uh, fool her. Anyway, she's loving it. She's uh, and she said, picked up these bad boys in LA. Not the color I was hoping for, uh, but after a lot of you guys recommended them a while back, I asked when I asked for a good pair of running shoes. I'll let you know what I think. I think they look kind of funky, you know. <laughs> Is that what you think about them? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, everyone, it's the Instagram post of the week. Um, We'll be back next week with bust a new podcast, bullshit. or maybe this week, Joe. Yeah, I I didn't – the Bullshit Buster we talked about, I didn't think it was that great. We should only bust proper bullshit. Um, anyway, maybe we'll be back this week if we can get Josh Amberger, Amberger on the show. Um, if not, if you want to support us, go over to our patrons page link in the bio. Or hit me up for my PayPal if you want to do a one-off. <laughs> hit me up because bank we bank want to go to code. Yeah.
1: Hit me up for my bank numbers if you uh, if you if you're feeling generous. <laughs>
0: we're we're just taking in all the support and yeah, if you're uh, um, all everything that goes in uh, goes into the triathlon mockery. Um, yeah, thanks for listening. Till I'll see you next week, mate. Good yeah, luck for the bye. training.
1: See you later. Bye. See you.